Hello, and welcome to Matters Season 2. I'm Nefra McDonald, Affinity Partnerships Manager at Clio, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jack Newton, CEO of Clio and author of The Client-Centered Law Firm. So far this season, we've talked a lot about why adopting a client-centered model for legal practice will put your firm in a better position now and in the future. And in the last couple of episodes, we've looked at practical ways to put yourself in your client's shoes and to adopt a client-centered mindset. This episode, we are diving in even deeper. Today, we're talking about how to put client-centered ideas into practice at your firm. It's a shift that can feel uncomfortable at first, especially when you're used to operating with a more lawyer-centric model of service. So we've brought in some guests who are experts at client service so they can walk us through how to put these ideas into action. We will speak to a couple of lawyers we've heard from earlier this season, and we'll introduce you to a couple of new voices. Two lawyers who know how to put client-centered lawyering into practice because it's already a part of their firm's DNA. First up is Mitch Kowalski. Mitch was featured in our second episode where he shared his thoughts about why lawyers tend to be risk averse and struggle to adapt to change. Mitch is a thought leader, a legal operations advisor, winner of a Fast Case 50 Innovator Award, and the author of the books, The Great Legal Reformation and Avoiding Extinction, Reimagining Legal Services for the 21st Century. This episode, we thought we'd have Mitch set us up by discussing why it's so important to implement client-centered strategies at law firms, because to him, it is very simple. Two words, competitive advantage, right? You want, right now, there are thousands and thousands of lawyers in whatever province, whatever country that people are listening into. And you have to be uh, better at differentiating yourself from your competition than just saying, I'm better than lawyer B or lawyer C or lawyer D. Clients don't have a clue whether you're better or not. That's meaningless. That's a meaningless distinction to them. And so you, so you distinguish yourself by creating a unique client experience. And the only way you can figure that out is to speak to your clients, go into your client's shoes, speak to them saying, Hey, let me understand your pain points. Let me understand what you're going through. And then I can work backwards and say, Hey, does that make, how can I tweak my practice of law? to be better for you. So simple things like super, we, and we've learned this through COVID people have been pushing back against, you know, virtual law firms for the longest times, like, ah, oh, it doesn't really work and blah, blah, blah. Well, we've been in COVID for at least a year now, uh, and probably a lot longer of major law firms, law firms at every tier of the market working remotely, um, and showing that we don't have to drag our clients to the office. Right. That's a major pain point. Clients don't want to come to your office. They don't want to find parking. Yeah. They don't want to take time off work. It's a pain in the freaking neck. Okay. And the only ones who haven't figured that out are the lawyers because they're already in their office. Well, of course you're going to come to my office and do stuff. So it's just really simple things like that. How do I pay my lawyer? Well, you know what? I pay everything else, you know, by a credit card or PayPal or, or whatever payment systems you have. Why wouldn't I just do that for, for my law firm? Why can't I sign my stuff, stuff digitally, right? I, you know, do all kinds of stuff on my phone. I have a mobile lifestyle. Why aren't you accommodating my mobile lifestyle? And, you know, these are the things that client-centered uh, 
lawyering is about is really understanding what's important to your client and how to accommodate them and not sitting back and saying, no, you client are going to fit into how me lawyer operates. And that's just all there is too bad for you. To put client-centered practices in place, law firms need to navigate change, especially when multiple partners or staff are involved. Can you walk through what you see as some of the pain points in this change management process and becoming more client-centered? Yeah. So change is hard. Change is scary. People are very, very comfortable in knowing how to do what they do. So even if it's the worst process on earth, if I know how to do it, I'm comfortable doing it. You, t you telling me or asking me to do something different freaks me out, gives me anxiety, makes me worried, makes me feel like I'm really stupid because I'm doing it wrong now. And so there's a high degree of psychology that you have to really be cognizant of when you're doing these things. People are going to be scared. If you ask me to do something different, what if I can't do that, right? Oh my God, am I going to lose my job? Which is, these are all very valid things, right? There's nothing wrong with the way people feel about change and how they approach change. It's, it's how you as a law firm manager approach that and and bring them along and say, you know what? I'm, I'm not telling you you're stupid. I'm not telling you that you don't know what you're doing. I'm suggesting that, you know, this will be actually better for you. You'll be much happier. You'll get to leave work earlier or you can work from a different area. Um, so it, it's, that's something I think people really forget about is the psychology of the person who's asked to do the change. Um, are they going to say, well, if you do this, then maybe you don't need as many people anymore. So what does that mean to me? Maybe, maybe I'm 60 years old and I'm, I'm going to retire in five years. I don't want to learn all these new skills. That's really hard for me. So that's, that's the number one thing that, that you really have to focus on when you're trying to institute these kinds of changes in your law firm. Let's say we've we've done our job in inspiring people to become client-centered. A law firm is excited about the idea of becoming client-centered. How should law firms go about implementing client-centered practices and becoming more client-centered overall? And again, this, this comes out, okay, so we've figured out the psychology. We've got people uh, all excited about it. And so we you know, we're running through some pilots on to, um, changing certain aspects of the way we practice. Cause okay. Number one, never boil the ocean. Okay. So you can't say, gosh, we're going to do everything totally differently. That's a disaster waiting for it to happen. So, so pick some people who are really excited about it. Pick some pilot projects. Maybe it's one department. Maybe it's one type of file. Maybe it's one client that you can work through with the client to say, okay, we're going to do things like this. Does that work for you? You know, and get the feedback, constant feedback until it, till you get to the point where whatever change you want to institute, where, you know, the client comes back and goes, you know what? You guys finally nailed it. You, you, this, this, I love this. I will never leave your firm now because you've done this magical thing. My life will be, you know, dark and gloomy if I leave your law firm. That's what you want clients to feel about. So you've got that. The next part though, again, which people often, often uh, forget about because 
you know, if you institute some changes, you can, you can get some early wins and it's really exciting and stuff. And then all of a sudden, you know, over time things drop off because people get lazy or they just forget or they fall into bad habits. So you have to keep, you know, incenting people to keep moving forward. So, so your incentive system has to be built around keeping, you know, driving the change and ensuring that the change continues on and on and on and on and on. And that's a really, really hard thing. Sustaining change is, takes a lot of effort. If a law firm is implementing these client-centered practices and, and trying to assess how they're making progress, Mitch, do you have, do you have a perspective on what kinds of metrics or other outcomes they could be measuring in terms of key performance indicators or other quantitative measures they, they could look to to assess how well they're doing on this journey? Everything is going to depend on, you know, your area of practice and the type of clients that you're really interested in. So, so um, metrics such as speed of performance, okay? Usually people are, are quite happy about that, that, um, you know, the file progresses at a certain velocity and you hit certain checkpoints, um, you know, within, within whatever scope you've gotten. Um, you look at metrics such as client satisfaction, right? Do you send out at the end of every file, a client satisfaction survey with four questions, right? Would you recommend us? You know, what, uh, you know, how would you score us? Um, how was, you know, the speed, how was, you know, the interaction with your, our, our team and how were you happy with the pricing? Was this all seemed, was this fair to you? Those, those kinds of things, um, are, are good, but you have, it all depends on what it is that's important on that specific file. So it's, you know, the sky's the limit. Jack, I think Mitch's advice, don't boil the ocean, is great advice for firms that may be a little bit set in their ways because they've been operating the same way for years. But I think it's also important for us to talk about how to implement client-centered practices at new firms that are just starting out, building client-centered practice into the very roots of the firm. Roots is a fitting word as we welcome our next guest, Shreya Lay. When Shreya and her husband Colin started their firm called Lay Roots, they really did start their practice with client-centered techniques as their foundation. Shreya and Colin refer to themselves as lawyer humans, which I love because it announces to their clients, hey, we're lawyers, but we're not robots. We're human just like you, and we care. I really do love that. In our chat, I started by asking Shreya how she and Colin went about building a client-centered law firm and what specific actions she took to put those practices in place. I think what made us decide to put client-centered practices in our firm was simply our own experiences in hiring people, uh, whether that would be like an accountant who told us that they didn't you know, want to help us or didn't call us back when we wanted <laughs> a response to something, or simply in encountering legal services through family or friends and hearing their feedback on what their experiences were like, I think those things impacted us and made us want to do something different. And I don't know that we would have wanted to start our own law firm 
if we didn't have a point of view of we can do this differently from what we're experiencing. Like if I just wanted to do the same thing as what everyone else is doing, I probably would have been happier working at a, for someone else at a law firm. Um, and so I think that was a big part of it. And as far as how we implemented it, I mean, we evaluate our processes on a somewhat regular basis, I would say like quarterly, like what are the things that we are doing? Are there places where we can automate things? Are there places where we can't and or, you know, outsource it to maybe an employee or, or someone else? Um, and so evaluating all those things on like a quarterly basis and meeting about that has been a big part of it. The specific actions have been, yeah, just walking through the client process. I think that was where it started, right? It's like, so what is it that people are doing? They go to our website. How does that feel? Like, what does it look like for them? And testing things. Like, so if we set up an email automation, I mean, always 100% every time we send it to ourselves first to see how it looks and how it feels before, you know, sending it out. Not to say that mistakes are never made, but um you know, we try and test things before and see how we feel about it before the client is experiencing it. And then so it's been a lot of experimentation, really, with pricing, with uh, communications, with our website. I think there's just been pretty frequent iterations. And so that also means that frequent reviews of what everything is because the world is changing too. Things change um, as far as who we are and how we want to present ourselves. And then also how people want to receive communication and information. We've been trying to make video meetings a thing for so long. We've had Zoom for so long. No one ever wanted to meet by Zoom. And then the pandemic hit and we already had it all set up. And now people love it. They just really love the whole Zoom thing or, you know, video conferences. They don't want to come to the office. They've realized that they don't want to drive to downtown Seattle and park and do all these things. And so, you know, <laughs> there have been times where maybe we were trying to do something and the clients didn't want it. <laughs> but then now all of a sudden we're like, oh, we had it. And now they do want it. This is great. You know, I, I think there's this interesting tension where, you know, with, in being client-centered, it, it's almost like product development where, you know, there's this famous Steve Jobs quoting Henry Ford quote about, you know, if I asked my customers what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. You, you need to, to, to guess at what your clients want. And sometimes um, you get that guess wrong as, as it sounds like you, you did with maybe anticipating willingness to do video meetings instead of in-person meetings before there was something like the the pandemic to change that that consumer behavior. Can, can you talk about other examples of your your journey to implementing client centered practices and and some of your learn, learnings along the way and maybe some other aspects of of rolling out client centered practices that that drove some learnings that were surprising to you? Well, one that comes to mind that I always think is kind of funny is that we attempted to be casual lawyers at one point of our firm where we were like, well, we don't, you know, it's not a reflection of the work that we do. We can wear jeans or, you know, flannel and it's not a big deal. But then, um, and, you know, we were doing that and, you know, we were still new and we we're still kind of struggling. And so who knows what the reasons are for the struggle, but it was before more people were 
um, going in a more casual direction in their in their offices and whatnot. But we heard from someone just friend or just someone at a barbecue. They were like, well, you know, if I'm paying my attorney a lot of my money, I want to make sure that they're taking me and my matter seriously. And so I would never hire someone that wasn't dressed, you know, professionally. That kind of struck a light bulb with us. And we're like, oh, well, and I mean, you know, we also at that point too, had a lot of things not going for us in that we were um, newer attorneys, we were younger looking, and then also casual. And then also we're trying to do video things or, you know, um, had an office at WeWork. And we're like, maybe we need to change this. And so we started (laughs) dressing up more like lawyers and it worked well for us. <laughs> People took us more seriously at that point. And it didn't mean that we couldn't be ourselves, but that was definitely an iteration that didn't work for us. And then we pivoted to being more dressed up instead of being stubborn about it. And it ended up being better for our brand and um, our business as well. So it, it sounds like willingness to to iterate, you know, listen to your clients and, and and iterate based on their feedback is is key. Is there other advice you would share for firms looking to embrace client-centered practices and, and processes? I think a lot of it has to do with listening. When you hear people in your life, not necessarily. I, I mean, I fully understand that it can be really hard when you're in the moment and talking to a potential client or a client asking them for feedback. I mean, they might not want to give you feedback directly to your face and you may not want to ask because you're you know, embarrassed or don't necessarily know what they're going to say. And um, But when you're out and about, people encounter lawyers all the time, like friends encounter them at their jobs, at um, they're going through a divorce or they're going through some sort of neighbor dispute and trying to hire someone. And I think if you just stop and listen to what people have to say about their experiences, whether positive or negative, and you can take a moment to reflect on, well, do we do that? Like, is this an issue that we have? And look at maybe the data as well to say, well, maybe this is it. Like just to be a little more self-critical, I think, and um, listening while out in the world, I think really helps to identify maybe some of those um, potential areas for improvement. And they might not be applicable to you, but I think we oftentimes have a tendency to just say, oh, well, I do a different kind of law. And so it doesn't matter. You know, Jack, I think a lot of firms use that excuse Shreya just mentioned, They say that because they do a very specific type of law, the shift to client-centered practice should not apply to them. It's an easy way to deflect and to rationalize a reason not to make important changes that'll help keep the firm up with a shifting industry. But as we've discussed, this ignores the reality of where legal is headed. Agreed. But like Mitch said earlier, big changes can come with a lot of anxiety and worry over the future. So I completely get why firms put off making changes, but I do think the steps Mitch and Shreya laid out are the right ones. Know your client, know your firm, get people excited, and run pilot programs to test drive your changes. And when those pilots are in motion, get feedback from clients and pivot when necessary. You've got to be adaptive. 
And I love Shreya's example of how she and Colin dressed more casually in the beginning, thinking they would seem more approachable. But then they realized they were taken more seriously by clients when they actually dressed up a bit. Trying new things is a cycle. And having a consistent feedback loop is such an important part of implementing this model. You're not always going to get it right the first time, but you'll get it right with continued effort and adjustments. Our next guest talked about this and really framed it up well. Her name is Elise Bowie, and she started the Elise Bowie Family Law Group after undergoing her own divorce and multiple relocations due to Hurricane Katrina. And Elise's top advice for firms that want to improve their client experience is straightforward. Get feedback. One thing we do is surveys to our clients during the course of their case to find out, you know, kind of take a a temperature reading, if you will, how they're doing, what's going on, if there's anything we can do. Um, Another thing that we've put in place recently is, you know, billing sometimes is a thing that clients don't understand, like evergreen retainers. So we've created a lot of infographics. And then we also have our billing person who will reach out to all new clients and go over the billing before it gets started so that they can understand the billing process and how their invoices will get paid and what a trust replenishment is. And I find that really helps a lot. Um, Another thing is just kind of, I, I don't want to curse on your podcast, but, you know, caring. And so when a client is upset or whatever, I mean, I get on the phone and talk to them. And I think knowing that they will always get to talk to me if there's a problem is really helpful to clients in being able to just work with them through whatever's going on. You've done a great job of incorporating so many of these client-centered practices in your firm. Do you have some tactical advice you could share with other firms that are maybe looking to get get started in incorporating some of these practices in their firm? Sure. Well, I would say first, read your book. I mean, your book was super helpful in, you know, really talking about how important they are and just confirming, I think, what a lot of us as customers know. I mean, when we're a customer, we expect our needs to be put first. And one of the things that I think when I think of talking to other firms is, you know, no should not be part of the mix. When you're a customer service business, you need to, I don't mean to say you always have to say yes, but you shouldn't just say no, you should always come with a solution. And so I think helping business owners understand how important customer service is and to really remember what it's like for them to be a customer and then actually track their own customer journey and, you know, do things like hire your kids to, if they're old enough to make calls and, you know, test your systems and test your intake and see how they're being treated. I have found that really helpful. And um, my children have had some fun making some of those calls, you know, just really focusing on what it's like to be a customer and paying attention and then measuring, doing everything you can to measure what's happening. How quickly are they getting called back? What are their messages being taken well? You know, are their messages robust so that when the next person who calls them isn't making them repeat themselves? And so just following all those things, I think it's just so important that we think of ourselves as a customer service business rather than having kind of a bad attitude. I think some attorneys kind of go into it like they're all, you know, high and mighty, and the customer is serving them rather than the reverse. I mean, we are serving our clients. That was short but sweet and super actionable. I love how quickly Elise is able to sum up her advice. I hope everyone was taking notes. That was so good. It was really good. 
And it's worth highlighting what Elise said about the legal industry really being a customer service industry. It's a simple distinction that helps law firms recalibrate the way they look at their practices. When it comes down to it, if someone is paying you for your services, you are in the customer service business, which means the customer should be at the center of all you do. Interestingly, our next guest told me that in the UK, where his firm's offices are located, they refer to client-centeredness as client care, and it's the most important part of his practice. His name is Fernando Del Canto. As the history-making lawyer who founded Del Canto Chambers, Fernando is an innovator in the world of international tax and legal advice. And here's the history-making part. You have a cool personal story in that you're the first Spanish citizen to hold a double qualification as a barrister in England and Spanish abogado, right? Yes, that's correct. So I was the first, the first Spanish abogado being called to the English bar. So that was a type of, of interesting thing that happened to me when I, when I decided to practice here in England. So I imagine that having this level of legal experience in multiple countries has taught you some interesting lessons on how to better serve clients who have different perspectives and needs. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, especially here in England, where you have so many people from so many different nationalities, I think, I mean, having a good perspective of of different common law uh, jurisdictions plus civil law uh, or, or European continental law, gives me a, a very good perspective, you know, on different approaches um, and especially understanding, you know, the, the client's concerns when they come to England. And it's also true that you opened an office in Ireland in order to better meet the needs of your American clients who had concerns about Brexit and GDPR, correct? Yes, not only Americans, but also Asians and people from Middle East. I mean, when they have operations in the European Union, um, being the UK, their main country because of the English language and the English jurisdiction, they wanted to ensure that they they want they were able to still meet the their needs in continental Europe, and Ireland was the logical uh, jurisdiction, you know, the most appropriate one for them. And can you tell us about how you employ client-centered thinking and and even developing your office locations? It seems like you have a very conscious approach to where you're setting your offices and trying to build expertise to best serve your clients' needs? I, I think, I mean, the, the matter of, of, how you say, client care, as, as we call it here in England, is a matter of great importance. I mean, first of all, because of compliance, I mean, there is a, a strong requirement on being client-focused on our practice. So somehow for us, our policy of client care, which means serving clients and ensuring that clients are satisfied and get the best uh, local or, or how you say, I will say local approach is, is what, what drives our practice. And that, that's what make, make us open offices in different locations because we have clients in different locations. So it's not that we are a huge firm, we are a small firm with a small delegations in different countries under our own name. So we don't get, I mean, we don't work in association or with other firms. I mean, we have our own people working in each office. Um, that that make us a good option, you know, for clients looking that type of personal touch, you know, or pret-a-porter type of, of services that we can offer multi-jurisdictionally. Maybe tell me a bit more about that when, you know, from having attorneys qualified in multiple jurisdictions to having multilingual staff, it seems like your 
you sorry, let me say that again. From having attorneys qualified in multiple jurisdictions to having multilingual staff, it seems like you prioritize your firm's ability to be flexible and adaptive. How does this help you better serve your clients and what's the benefit to your business? The benefit to the clients perhaps is the first thing rather than, than the benefits to, to our business, our interest, I mean, to put it that way, because at the end of the day, they want that, especially when you are working in jurisdictions like Spanish-speaking jurisdictions, which we do in Colombia um, and Spain or Qatar, where Arabic is the primary language. So our, our uh, lawyer in Qatar uh, is a Qatari, is a, a Qatari lawyer. And, and obviously she understands not only the language, but the culture. For instance, in Colombia, obviously we are Spanish speaking in, in Spain, but when you are serving the Colombian market, it's, it's a cultural thing. So it is essential to have a Colombian lawyer. So it's not just about language, it's also about culture. So that, that's a very important thing for us, you know, understanding cultures. Can you tell me a bit more about that cultural fit and why it's so important? And maybe if it took you some amount of time to realize how important that fit was? Yeah, I mean, yeah, just just to give you an example, you know, uh, English language. I mean, less 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 because here everyone speaks English. You know, I I learned I learned English in America in the U.S. while working in New York for three years, and I thought I have to learn English. When I came to England, I realized that English English means a, means a different thing here. I mean, people communicate in a totally different way, and you need to to spend some time understanding the cultural aspects of of the country are saying, I mean, they speak the same language, but with different approaches. So that happens all, all across the, the board. I mean, Ireland is a totally different country than the UK or, or the US. And this cultural aspect has an influence in law, um, um, even in taxation. I mean, the approaches to the tax system or the legal system is different in, in countries speaking the same language. So, so it's, it's a matter of, of, of how the country has developed, what is the socio-political reality of that country. So we, we technically, I mean, and, and all, all the people working in chambers know well that we place a lot of importance in cultural adaptability and, and learning. So we try to, to engage as much as possible with uh, the cultural life of a country and the arts and, and cinema and, and all the areas that really made you learn. The, the reality of that country. Fernando's approach is so thoughtful. He truly focuses on the client, their culture, and their language to bring them a level of comfort that they might not find elsewhere. I find it inspiring how much effort he and his team put into building the expertise needed to give their clients the best possible support. Same here. And it's hard for me to believe, but we have already reached the end of the episode. So Jack, what are you taking away from this episode? What notes did you take along the way? I think for me, if you put the ideas our guests shared into practice at your firm, you will be more client-centered. But these are just some of the many, many things you can try. If you adopt a client-centered mindset like we talked about before, it opens you up to be creative. And think of all the things you can try that will create better experiences for your clients. If you center your attention on your clients and think, what can I do that will improve their interactions with my firm? You'll be amazed at how much you can change things for the better and the impact this will have on your business. Thanks, Jack. This has been a presentation of Season 2 of Matters, based on the client-centered law firm, the best-selling book by Jack Newton. 
Matters is hosted by Jack Newton and Nefra McDonald, produced by Andrew Booth, Sam Rosenthal, and Derek Bolin, and brought to you by Clio, the world's leading cloud-based legal technology provider. Be sure to subscribe to Matters wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. If you'd like to learn more about Clio, please visit us at clio.com. To read Jack's book, search for The Client-Centered Law Firm wherever you buy your books.